Welcome to Track Listing, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old albums for some reason. Nick. Chris. And I'm Caleb. And this week, uh, we're back. This is 2021, and we have a group pick. A little bit of a special episode. Um, This is, I believe, maybe not the first sequel that we've done, but this is the first sequel to a film that we've already reviewed. Uh, We're doing Scream 2. Yay! 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 1997? 1997. 1997. Yeah. Good year. How you doing, (laughs) listeners? We're back. What a year it's been already. (sighs) Yeah. Finally, we're in just a normal, non-terrible year. Coming in hot! Uh, this is, I think this movie is streaming on HBO Max. That's correct. Right now, yep. if anybody wants to check it out. Many screams, many screams on HBO Max. This is, um, I remember the first movie very vividly and then, uh, some of the sequels kind of blend together. So I rewatched it and, uh, I discovered a few things that yeah. I'd forgotten. Uh, it was mostly enjoyable. We should get into the soundtrack. You guys want to jump into the first track? Yeah, we got a lot of work to do. Let's roll up our sleeves and just really get down to work. <laughs> Let's clean the rest off. All right, here we go. Track one. This is Master P featuring Silk the Shocker with Scream. Young homies banging throwing up signs on my block. In the average age, it's 25. Young homies don't even live to retire. A get paid, a plug what? Slang key, huh? a dive for triple gold. So, All right. <laughs> I, I didn't actually, I didn't look back at the Scream 1 soundtrack before we re- are recording. Uh, but my, my memory of that film and that soundtrack is that they were both uh, reasonably homogenous when it comes to uh, white people singing and white people acting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're, this movie, this sequel came out, I think, the same calendar year as the Scream 1 soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Scream was 96. Scream 2 was 97. I think that uh, <laughs> it was a very hasty turnaround. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there was there was an attempt to kind of diversify the cast and and uh, and some of the music, even though... This song gets relegated to the the very back end of the credits, I think. They couldn't, I, it, they couldn't find a spot for this song. <laughs> I think Wes Craven and company got some flack for the first Scream for not having enough diversity. And uh, the music supervisor, Ed Gerard, uh, also worked to diversify this soundtrack a little bit more. So I think we're going to hear some more hip-hop and R&B. Yeah. Well, not only did they uh, make an attempt, they flat out called themselves out in the first half. You know, because you got Omar Epps, and, or excuse me, in the first scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the first scene, they called themselves out with Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett Smith just mm-hmm. talking about like how black people are underrepresented in horror as a genre <laughs> itself. So, I don't know. I think they kind of, you know, th- this whole movie will get into it, but it's very meta um, in the way they kind of talk about it. It's a sequel about sequels, yeah, and it's a sequel about horror sequels in which they, you know, are taking the tropes. So. I really... I have to assume that uh, that they they commissioned this song expecting to work it into a part of the movie, and I don't know if it had to do with the song that came back, or <laughs> maybe <laughs> there was a lot of like working, uh, a lot of moving parts in this. I, I think they were like, uh, well, part of the problem is that the original script uh, I think leaked online. 
mm-hmm. um, right before they went into shooting. And so people... Scream 2 got hacked. <laughs> Scream 2. <laughs> so they, they had to rewrite it on the fly because they had to change who the killers were. They didn't want people to know. And it became... It was like kind of the early days of the internet ruining everything for everybody. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> These, you know, the characters are now in college. Yeah. In Scream yeah. 2. In Ohio? In Ohio, mm-hmm. but really Atlanta and LA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very obvious. A lot of LA shots. Seems warm. Yeah, yeah. How do you guys feel about that Master P song? Oh, bad. Uh, so, <laughs> I think we all know Master P. Um, I remember him from Make Him Say. Uh, Make him say. Uh, that was the uh, first big hit, and that is remarkably similar to Make Him Scream <laughs> by going. Uh. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I did a deep dive on old. Uh, Percy Robert Miller. He's from New Orleans, right? Yeah. So he's yeah. he's outside of kind of like the big 90s like hip-hop epicenters. Mm-hmm. And he seems very much like he's kind of doing stuff by himself. Uh, but he's not really falling into like the indie hip-hop tropes. Like he's his own kind of like radio hip-hop that just is worse and weirder. Yeah. Um, I mean, he himself is not the most talented, I think, but his his real talent was being a businessman. I mean, he made like $200 million doing the, I think he was one of the richest rappers uh, alive at the time, uh, or like I think in the early 2000s because he owned No Limit Records. But he realized, like, oh, I'll own the recording studio, I'll own 100% of the masters, and you can come and record stuff there, and you, I get, like, an 80% cut. So he really screwed everybody out of it. But <laughs> it's the uh, Barry Gordy model. Oh, yeah. big time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he also exploited his kid, right? His kid was Little Romeo. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, he, like, uh, produced, like, a sitcom. Mm-hmm. He's also had a professional basketball career. He's That's, a man of many talents. Yeah, he's contracted to the uh, <laughs> Toronto Raptors and the Charlotte uh, Hornets. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I didn't realize he also opened up No Limit. Like, he did, he made, like, No Limit Steaks. No Limit. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. There's a burger joint called No Limit Big Papas, whatever. <laughs> and uh, he he opened up No Limits uh, Sports Management. And... Uh, is famous for giving Ricky Williams uh, one of the worst NFL uh, contracts of all time. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if it was, like, dubious on, like, how much he was taking a cut for or just, like, a poorly negotiated one. And it was his first time trying to negotiate a contract, and New Orleans was like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> but um, Silk the Shocker is also on this track, who I remember. Um, yeah, I remember. Another New Orleans guy. Yeah, yeah. They were outside the Cash Money records, so there's always kind of a feud with, like, Baby and uh, Lil Wayne. They were the yeah, other right. New Orleans rappers. Mm-hmm. You know? I wonder who won out on that. Yeah, time will tell. <laughs> time will tell. I, think, I still think Master P has a higher net worth than both, like, Drake and... Lil Wayne. No. I, dude, yeah. I swear to God. I swear to God, he does. Fact check me. You guys want to hear some of track number two? Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it. This is Cottonmouth Kings with Suburban Life. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
smoke, we smoke to get away To elevate from this world of hate Never My goodness. <laughs> this soundtrack is already shaving up. <laughs> yeah, I saw this this act uh, being listed as rap rock, which really got me to like tense up. Um, and then I was like, I'd say a little pleasantly surprised. It's like kind of harmless, like uh, L.A. kind of um, white guy don't rock s- rap. Don't say it's harmless. It paved the way. <laughs> it's, a ga- way it's a gateway for, band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it paved the way for like ICP and stuff, I think. Uh, I think they're in the same world <laughs> as ICP. I mean, yeah. there, there was a lot of weed culture around Cottonmouth Kings. I remember in middle mm-hmm. school and like, you know, friends of mine were big fans of them and what they were doing, but you know, no one smoked weed, but everyone was into weed culture somehow. Yeah. Because yeah. it was so dangerous. You know Ooh. what you know what cottonmouth means, man? Yeah. 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 It's that dry feeling when you smoke <laughs> weed. Your mouth is like a desert. Oh my god. We're we're never gonna be able to explain to children like why we thought that uh that smoking weed was dangerous and cool. <laughs> I mean, Cottonmouth King surprisingly had kind of a long career. One of the members, Sant Dog, uh, just passed away <laughs> oh, in uh, October of 2020. And uh, they had gone on hiatus around 2017, and their fans were, you know, begging for more. But uh, the remaining members of Cottonmouth King say that a new album is due out in February of this year. Oh, nice. So if you're into that, check now. that out. <laughs> I, I check it out. <laughs> I'd like to see uh, how they've aged. Um, and they look terrible. Yeah, I can't imagine they look great. Uh, I think that I heard this in the movie. Yes, uh, this is when uh, Randy, spoiler alert, uh, is getting murdered. He Jamie, gets, Kennedy, Jamie Kennedy, re- returning from the first film, looking very strange. Yes, uh, we should mention there's some of the worst facial hair. Some of the worst <laughs> hair uh, in general. Uh, in this movie I've ever seen, I shaved my mustache to make it look like <laughs> David Arquette's mustache, uh, and nobody thought it was funny. Nobody even noticed here. Uh, I'm right doing you. it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the kid in the first scream that plays Billy Loomis mm-hmm. that has that kind of Johnny Depp hair. Skeet Ulrich. Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. Skeet Ulrich. Everyone is just trying to do that hair in this movie. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's very <laughs> frightening. So. For whatever David Arquette has a normal cop mustache in the first one, and now in this movie he's got like like a limp arm and a limp leg and like a worse mustache and no cop uniform. Well, uh, I think, like I said, I think that this movie was thrown together. So, like Scream One made most of its movie in '97, I think, mm-hmm. and so I think that two of like the top ten grossing films in '97 are Scream films. Like that's how quickly this one came out. Interesting. And uh, I think they probably, like, people moved on. They're like, oh, like, David Arquette's like, I can finally shave this fucking mustache. And then, like, two months later, he's at home. They're like, how long does it take you to grow that mustache, David? It's like, <laughs> what? Eight weeks. <laughs> Easy. The sequel, what, next year? It's like, no, next month. <laughs> I think the first Scream was shot for around $15 million, and it uh, grossed close to $200 million. Mm-hmm. This uh, was $24 million budget, and then it made like $100 million its opening weekend or something. It's wild. Yeah. How do you guys feel about the quality of this film as compared to the original? The first Scream, you know, was great, and it could have just ended there. But, you know, since they made so much money, they had to make a sequel. Mm-hmm. And they just keep changing who the mastermind killer is throughout the entire Scream <laughs> franchise just to keep the whole machine moving. Just to make it a whodunit forever. Supposedly, they kept from the cast, uh, they kept it secret who the killers were. Mm-hmm. 
uh, maybe because they were still writing it behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, like until they were actually filming. But yeah. I, ha- I have to assume that yeah. uh, Lori Metcalf knew. Like, they... they <laughs> <laughs> she knew. Well, but they I kept it she, from the rest of the cast. Yeah, yeah. They kept the secret. Maybe from the rest of the cast. But it's like, how do you audition people when, like, one of the killers is hardly in the movie until their big speech on why they're a killer? So, like, well, how do you... <laughs> so, it was supposed to be Jerry O'Connell, the boyfriend, early on. And, and the best friend, leaked. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then that that's exactly and, and the Howie, plot. That, uh, that's just least, the plot yeah. of the first movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I will say, I was kept on my toes this whole movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I did not... Um, I did not guess that it was Laurie Metcalf. I remember the Laurie Metcalf. Part. Tim Oliphant, uh, kind of, because he was like a cra- kind of a crazy looking guy that did, but he, he had such a small role in this that it didn't matter as much to me, you know? Oh man, I love Oliphant. Yeah, he's great in this. Oh, uh, he can murder me. I'm but it, it's definitely like, <laughs> so there's a sitcom trope where it's like, somebody robbed the old folks home. Who could it be? Could it be the new character that was introduced, like, at the beginning of this episode that's, like, your friend from out of town? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> like, it, it ends up being that per- yeah, the yeah. one person introduced, so it's like, that was Tim Oliphant and Laurie Metcalf. Yeah, I, I think it would have been more effective if it turned out to be Jamie Kennedy mm-hmm. or somebody that's... Uh, I guess in this film, they do it a disservice by killing him off this is this this the song that we listen to plays while he's being killed in a yeah. news van yep and then three like men in their 40s with a boom box walk by <laughs> with no, the song one of them skateboarding <laughs> one of them does a spin move and his head is shaved and you can see the pattern baldness on i'm just gonna it's <laughs> a terrifying college campus <laughs> i'm just saying so jamie jamie kennedy's character maybe they were worried about because he had like the tv show and stuff and was starting to blow up where it's like, oh, well, I don't know if we're going to be able to get this guy for the third one. That's true. Uh, but He's it's a like, rising star at the time. <laughs> his character <laughs> is the one who's like, he makes the movies better by explaining how they're in the movie and the rules of the movie. And this one, he lays it out and uh, and it, they don't really... <laughs> He's like, it's all the kills are more elaborate. I don't think they are, really. <laughs> yeah, not so much. There's a couple. There's a couple. I mean... It's it's a little bit bloodier than the first one. I think they had to uh, Wes Craven had to bring it to the MPAA like eight times to get an R rating. Yeah, yeah I think he tried to kind of overdo it with the rough cut so that he could actually end up getting the cut that he wanted released. But yeah. you know, he submitted Field this trick. pretty violent cut, and the MPAA said, "Yeah, that works." <laughs> oh yeah, then he had to like, oh, yeah, like, oh man, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm getting a little excited looking at track number three. You guys yeah. want to hear this? This is Sugar Ray with Rivers. I say excited I meant to say bummed out no <laughs> oh man what are you talking about was that Weezer no that was Sugar Ray oh, Sugar okay. Ray the song was co-written by McG 
uh, <laughs> director and producer of Charlie's Angels. <laughs> no, that's right. Uh, right. Anyways, so kind of the impetus of this episode is uh, we've got a we've got a special message. How do we want to intro this? Yeah, my um, well, my we're we're pretty tight with Mark McGrath, <laughs> and uh, I had a birthday recently. As did Nick. Happy birthday, Nick! Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Chris! Say to you in person, uh, and he was nice enough to give me a call, and um, he shot a little video, and he send it to me um but i don't know if we want to check yeah, let's should just, we play uh, let's should just play yeah we should just let's just yeah play it. yeah all right well here, here's mark mcgrath yeah let's play uh, mark mcgrath's voicemail yeah to chris yo what is up chris it is mark mcgrath from the band sugar ray yes i know off the charts but always in your hearts and chris i understand from your wonderful your thoughtful your loving and creative girlfriend, Kelsey Steele, that it's your 33rd birthday today. So Chris, on behalf of Kelsey and myself, happy, happy 33rd birthday. That's 33 trips around the sun for our friend Chris. And um, Chris Kelsey could not stop raving about you. Uh, she let me know that you have a... Uh, a podcast called Track Listing, where you review old movie soundtracks, and little old Sugar Ray has come up a few times, and Kelsey was kind enough to let me know that you're big fans of the band, uh, Chris, so thank you. I want to say thank you so much for that. Um, you know, some of the songs we wrote, at least the hits, we wrote 20, 25 years ago, and the fact that we're still able to do something we love for a living is a responsibility that we don't take lightly. We're super grateful for it. I'm curious to know the movie soundtracks that you reviewed. Probably did uh, Scream 2, right? Um, that uh, has rivers on it. Um, you go. Wait, wait. <laughs> oh, boy. When you go, when you go away. Hold oh, on. Oh no. When you go away, I dig a hole. When you go away, I dig a hole. Yes, from the Scream 2 soundtrack. That was us trying to sound like Weezer. We loved Weezer so much. That was our attempt at like a Weezer uh, ripoff song. Uh, <laughs> but Chris, I'll let Kelsey know I'd be more than happy. To give Chris a birthday shout out and uh, happy 33rd, Chris. Uh, I know it's kind of a crazy time of year to have a birthday. I mean, through the holidays and COVID. So Kelsey doesn't want your your birthday, the celebration of our man Chris to get lost in all this insanity. So we're both saying happy, happy 33rd, Chris. Hope you're having a wonderful day, a wonderful evening and all that good stuff. And Kelsey was saying, you know, Chris is so cool. He never asks for anything. And uh, he gives uh, so much to the uh, uh, to other people. I said, no problem. I'd be honored to do that. So <laughs> looking forward to checking out your podcast, uh, Chris. And maybe the other song was, um, Sugar Ray's song was Glory off the American Pie soundtrack. Uh, that I'm not even going to try to play on uh, acoustic because I don't remember it. But <laughs> what I do remember, and what I'd like to give you for your 33rd birthday, Chris, is the number one song I wrote in 1997 called Fly. It goes like this. All around the world, statues crumble for me. And those had long, I've loved you. Everywhere I go, people stop and they see 25 years old, my mother, God rest soul I just 
blind Put your arms around me, baby Put your arms around me, Chris I just wanna fly, yeah All around the world, statues crumble for me On me for Chris, happy 33rd birthday, my friend, from your amazing girlfriend, Kelsey Steele, and me, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. Thanks again for all the love and support, and uh, look forward to hearing your podcast, man. Track listing. All right, take care. <laughs> Always great to hear from yeah. oh, man. It was great to hear from Mark, Mark McGrath. Yeah, and, no, uh, such birthday, a sweet Chris. voicemail. God bless Cameo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Clearly a Cameo. Uh, Dude, that's uh, one of the best Cameos. Okay, I, I will say... Um, he thinks we're fans. Well, oh, hey. I, I, okay. Okay. Fly, I'm a, I am a fan of Fly quite a bit, and also some <laughs> of their, like... Dude, Sugar Ray has hits. Yeah, man. and Off the charts, but always in your, always hearts. In your hearts. And from that cameo alone, uh, I will defend Mark McGrath to any dissenter. Hey, in that, what I've a, never heard a better cameo. I've never heard a better cameo. Uh, a consummate professional. Uh, seems to understand uh, what place he has played in the world very very acutely. A little, that, a little rusty when it comes to the Scream 2 soundtrack. That's true. The rivers. <laughs> hasn't hit that song in a while. Yeah. Oh, man. All those chords were just wrong. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Not Mark. Hey, it's been a while. It it's was been... like 20, 25 years ago. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, yeah. It's, he, he said it right there that he was trying to rip off Weezer. This song is named after Rivers Cuomo, I have to assume. <laughs> when you got... Oh, when it got... Oh, God. Oh, this guitar is out of tune. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you, Kelsey. For thank you, Kelsey. Wonderful, my wonderful and amazing girlfriend. Uh, thank you, Mark McGrath. Uh, I assume we're going to be best friends after this. He's he's got my number. You know. I would love if if you befriended Mark McGrath. And every time he called you, he was like, hey, Chris, it's me, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. <laughs> Kelsey Steele, your wonderful and amazing girlfriend, told me to call you to see if I needed to pick up anything for the barbecue. <laughs> Anywho, uh, this is a song, a song called Fly. That's such a good cameo. Unfor- yeah, no, it's an amazing birthday present for sure. Um, unfortunately... <laughs> Um, the Sugar Ray song is relegated to the third out of five oh, yeah. uh, of credit credits, songs. Credits third out of five. Masterpiece. Long uh, Make him scream was the fifth out of five. Yeah, I don't know what was going on that they had to like throw five uh, songs into the credits. But, um, yeah, it was pretty intense. I should say yeah. uh, for maybe new listeners that we did review the American Pie soundtrack. That's right. Uh, to which Mark was referring, and uh, it's. It's kind of sad to say that we apparently have now completed the the Sugar Ray soundtrack uh, lexicon. Oeuvre, yeah. yeah, so far. I was expecting yeah. to be like, we've been on so many soundtracks. We were on, uh, well, we were on Scream 2 and American Pie. That's it. It's like, what? How are you not on more soundtracks? <laughs> yeah, to give it some time. Give it some time. I think oh, there's yeah. going to be some 90s movies that'll come out the same way the 80s movies came out in mm-hmm. the 2000s. Should we hear some of track number four? Let's do it. Let's do it. This is D'Angelo with She's Always in My Hair.
we've got our first cover first of the cover. new year. This is a good cover. Yeah. A good a cover, cover of like a Prince B-side. Was it Was it um, Strawberry Beret or Little Red Corvette? This was the B-side. B-side to the single for Raspberry Beret. Raspberry mm-hmm. Beret. Yes. I, this, is a, this is a good... I think this is playing uh, the first song after the intro credits. So it has like the first... Uh, the first scene, the first murder, and then it goes to the credits and it starts playing. This is the opening sequence. So the, it, there's kind of like that fake out. And then there's the, the title credits don't come until about 10, 11 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. This is the first song you hear. Oh, okay. Um, and they're in the movie mm. line. Um, this is Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett Smith. And they're, I guess, still Jada Pinkett at the time, Yeah, maybe? still Jada Pinkett. There's this mm-hmm. like the... Uh, <laughs> Scream 2 has a movie within the movie. Yep. It Get also meta. has a play within the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's called, the movie's called Stab. <laughs> Stab. Uh, <laughs> and it stars Heather Graham as the Drew Barrymore. Yeah, Heather and Graham then, is Drew Barrymore. And right. then uh, they joked, apparently in the first movie, there's some one-off line of but like... Tori Spelling. Yeah, who's going to play you in the movie. She's yeah. like, well, with my luck, it's going to be Tori Spelling. <laughs> Tori Spelling's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, Luke Wilson. <laughs> Luke Wilson God. is, is <laughs> Come on. Come on. God. All of the movie, all of the uh, the fake movie was apparently directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Which is yeah. Pretty cool. Well, oh, shout yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But um, that, uh, there was basically like a room esque, uh, like Rocky Horror <laughs> Picture Show style. Like the worst way to see a movie I could ever imagine uh, that you hadn't seen before. If you oh, see yeah. like the room or Rocky Horror Picture Show and like people are interactive and screaming, it's the, I don't know, but like this looked terrible because people are dressed up and like flying around and like had fake plastic knives. Yeah, they handed out to the studio as like a little bit of a promo. They were handing out the, uh, the you know, the scream. Um, the ghost face, the ghost, ghost face, face costumes to everybody. Yeah. It's so everybody in the theater is dressed like ghost face, and then there's a killer dressed like ghost face. I think that's pretty. Um, I thought it was a pretty good idea. Steph was so annoyed at the crowd. She's like, "If I was ever in a movie theater," and I was like, "Well, somebody's gonna get murdered, isn't that worse?" She's like, "I don't know." No. <laughs> people are talking i mean it was comforting watching that movie now because i was like they're all masked up yeah very comforting halloween not a single person contracted covid (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah so jada gets stabbed uh during the the whole scene as does omar apps in the bathroom and uh she like kind of walks up to the front of the audience and like blocks the screen to die yeah, they think the audience kind of thinks it's like a PR stunt for the movie. Yeah, and they're like, oh, fake. wait, she, she's actually dead. Yeah, unfortunately, it was uh, pretty like all the theater shootings. Yeah, the, the guy uh, that was kind true. of dressed like the Joker, wasn't that the... Yeah, that was the Aurora stuff. Scary bad stuff. This However, was 1997. Like, people's brains hadn't been completely poisoned by the internet. Yeah. They weren't acting out all the bizarre fantasies that uh, all the Hollywood screenwriters have been thinking I can't believe that this script got hacked. <laughs> It's just amazing. <laughs> I will say, if I was ever stabbed in a movie theater, I think I would be too polite to <laughs> go to the front. Like, I have too much uh, reverence you and respect for films. Like, I would oh, be like, well, me, don't me. stop the movie, but um, I should just say, uh, I don't want to remember everybody's time. I have been stabbed. <laughs> I did, no, 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 don't, don't turn the lights on. I just, come on. <laughs> that is a uh, great D'Angelo cover. Mm-hmm. Man, anything yeah. D'Angelo does is pretty great. Yeah. D'Angelo is pretty His awesome. last album, Black Messiah, is a really great album. It's just uh, perpetually shirtless, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, should oh, that, be. The music yeah. video in the 90s where you, like, almost see his dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, really <laughs> close to his dick root. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah neo soul pioneer i think he's yeah. kind of like he's only put out a few albums his entire career right i think i can only think of three or four i still listen to brown sugar like, yeah on the regular his it's first like, album brown mm-hmm. sugar voodoo kind of and then black messiah yeah uh, i think that's it i think so black messiah voodoo time will tell belly 1998 soundtrack oh, soundtrack yeah he's on that we gotta do belly we gotta do belly uh, I I think that listen, it's it's a young year, 2021. Nothing much has happened yet, but uh, I think this is a good omen. This is like a great cover, which is something we do not encounter much in the wild. <laughs> Hardly, the year of good covers, 2021. <laughs> Everything's turning around. Oh gosh, <laughs> strap in, listeners. So in the in the first time when we did scream um, on. This, I guess Halloween 2019 is what we decided. Yeah. Um, I, I said I had never seen Scream. I'd never seen Scream 2, but I had seen Scary Movie. I'd seen <laughs> all the scary movies somehow. Uh-huh. And I'm slowly like piecing together. I think this was the main source of inspiration for Scary Movie was Scream 2. And there's the scene where Omar Epps is like in the bathroom stall and he like hears something and he's like, what? And then he gets stabbed through the stall. And then in Scary Movie, it's a, it's a penis that goes uh, through. Oh, Somebody right. stabbed glory, to death with a, yeah, it's like a glory <laughs> hole sort of situation. And I guess there's a joke there. Somewhere. Sean Wayne's yeah, I was like, all right, but I mean, there's like nine penises in Scary Movie. I'm like, okay, it does have a soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, we get we should look oh, spooky. It. I didn't know that's the exact scene that this was from. <laughs> You guys want to hear some of track number five? Yes, please. This, this is Dave Matthews Band with Help Myself. Much faster past the years by to die. Oh, What uh, what '90s college experience uh, would be complete without hearing from Dave Matthews? Okay, well that's <laughs> that's kind of like the angle that I wanted to come after this. Uh, so I remember Dave Matthews was kind of I I was into him when I was in high school a little bit, in that he was kind of like in this range of alternative singer songwriter like, but it was a little bit eccentric. You know, he got a lot of fiddle and whatnot. Which is essentially listening back to it now, it's like it was just a, was this just '90s prog? Like maybe uh, uh, some some of it is. I mean, this was recorded uh, f- during the sessions for their album before these crowded streets, and uh, they were thinking about uh, including their song Halloween on the Scream Two soundtrack that they recorded during those same sessions. But they decided that Halloween was too good to be left <laughs> off of before these crowded streets, That's- so they kind of just threw them this track that. You know, maybe it's not the strongest uh, Dave Matthews track. It does not appear on any other album, correct? Yeah, it's just the Scream 2 soundtrack, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Help myself. Well, this um, is... <laughs> I remember... So so I knew Dave Matthews, and I had a couple of his albums growing up. And then I went off to college. And then I would say it was probably towards the end of my college career in the early 2000s when suddenly I started to hear about Dave Matthews in a different way. 
where it was like more of kind of a grateful dead like people are like we've got to like this is a serious thing where we you got to get tickets for all three nights and so, you camp i was gonna say i always thought dave not it's not prog but i thought he was uh more palatable jam band music yeah it's definitely he, jam band for the masses he kind of went into jamming I <laughs> all jam band is kind of for the masses but uh <laughs> It was, so I was like, oh, yeah, when I was getting out of college, it became like, for a while, Dave Matthews was the band that people would, you know, always like talk about like live bootlegs and all this shit. And I was like, I don't know about that. And then uh, <laughs> a friend of ours who's much younger than I, a friend, uh, Cameron, I remember talking to him years ago and we we're having drinks one night and he started putting on Dave Matthews. And I was like, why the fuck are you like listening to Dave Matthews? Like, oh, you know, from college. And I was like, yeah from when i was in college like but that and then i think it just turns out now that everybody who is in college listens to dave matthews and it's somehow timeless in a terrible way <laughs> maybe it's still a rite of passage i don't know yeah i think so i mean i was really into him when i was in uh, middle school right. high school same college not so much after i moved to new york but then kind of got back into it more recently there's some good dave matthews but this song this when i imagine dave matthews it sounds like this song yes uh, I would agree. I think Nick and I have both discussed, and my girlfriend as well, Kelsey, uh, the aforementioned Kelsey. <laughs> um, <laughs> she is, uh, she's singing um, Dave is absolutely due for like a big comeback, uh, or that just his, uh, I don't know, it, it seems to be, you know, fashion repeats, like music repeats as well. Um, yeah, he right. definitely. Gr- grunge and Dave are both due for a. Uh, <laughs> Dave faded comeback. away in a way where, like, Fish became. Fish kind of, like, subsumed that entire. Mm-hmm. Like, like. Well, the Grateful fucking, Dead fans had nowhere to go to no, sell their grilled cheese sandwiches, so they started going to Fish and Dave concerts. The Grateful Dead is still. They're still touring without Jerry. Are they? I think or so. They were Bob up, Weir and up friends. until recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There, there are some Dave Matthews songs that I that I like. How do you guys feel about this particular Dave track? I think it works well. It seems like it's ex- uh, it's playing at a college party. It's playing at seems a college right. party, but yeah, it's hosted by <laughs> Rager Por- Portia de Rossi. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking, uh, it's, yeah, it's like the preppy uh, sorority party. I yeah. guess it's at a frat, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the. Um, uh, uh, this, the Delta Lambda Zetas. Yeah, some uh, fucking hippie brother got his hands on the DJ booth. Yeah. Do you, can, do you mind? Do you mind? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I'll do it all night. I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, there's this. There's a big party sequence in this movie, if you haven't seen it. And there's about five of the songs we'll hear. I'll play it. Oh, really? There's about five songs. The next five songs are all at the party. Wow. Think, we yeah, the party... It mostly serves just to explain why uh sarah michelle geller is alone at yes. the sorority house yes. so that she can be hunted and killed yes uh this is playing shortly after or shortly before sarah michelle geller is killed yeah, yeah. and she you know she's buffy is is it's peak buffy right mm-hmm. now well that's what it kind of takes me out of it because and peak, she, fr- peak friends peak friends peak jamie kennedy experiments everybody experience. a lot of these people <laughs> <Yeah>. are like <laughs> in this movie while they're filming their tv shows it, it seemed like a real like a uh, juggling act but uh sarah michelle keller it's like she looks exactly like she does in buffy in a show where she kicks ass and then to see her just like be kind of a 
a mostly helpless sorority girl is a little bit jarring. Just to get overtaken by who is possibly Lori Metcalf. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty shameful. She's a pretty <laughs> terrifying killer, Mrs. Loomis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the sister from Roseanne. You know? oh, yeah. Just the murderous. Oh, she's really good. She's, she's great. Really, she's really she's good. so good in it. But, um... Yeah, there's also there's a brief cameo from somebody who I hadn't seen in a ton of stuff. Uh, who the the sister from Vegas Vacation, uh, Chevy Chase's daughter is like, um, I guess Sarah Michelle Gellar's like, who's there? Hello? And then oh, it's, yeah. it turns out she's like, oh hey, sorry, I'm, I'm about to leave. Excuse me, I'll be gone in a second. And it's I was like, what do I know her from? And it's um, the sister from Vegas Vacation. Oh, okay. yeah. Do you guys want to hear some track number six? Let's do it. Another band we've had uh, on the podcast a few times before. This is Collective Soul with She Said. said it once i'll say it again collective soul one of my dad's favorite bands <laughs> yeah this is Shout definitely out. this is in in the dad zone of collective soul uh i you know i can't hate this song and i can't quite like it either i think this is the first credit song or the song that leads us into the credits how many credit songs did you say there were five five oh, man, uh, that's insane that's got to be a record of some kind this song yes this is the first credit song uh so the story that i read is that in the original cut of the film, they really wanted Bittersweet Symphony to take us into the credits, which would have been beautiful. Uh, but of course, uh, <laughs> the, by that point, the uh, the credits for Bittersweet Symphony had reverted to the, the estate of the Rolling Stones, and they were really going to bend people over. And so they, they ended up getting a Collective Soul song, and they had them add some strings to it. That makes a ton of sense because so by the way a lot of the score in this is done by Hans Zimmer which is insane that Hans Zimmer did the Scream 2 soundtrack. There, there's some en- Enrico well, Morricone. Yeah, that's a whole topic. It's really it's it's a lot of stuff from Broken Arrow. Yeah. It was like uh, they used a stand in and, and they just kept it. Uh, yeah we can and talk the, we can talk about this. There is a, a song that's eerily similar to um, Bittersweet Symphony. Uh, oh yeah, Hans Zimmer <laughs> clearly listened to Bittersweet Symphony, and they're like, "Do something like that," and he was like, "All right." <laughs> it's, it's so close. It's so close. Yeah. So Marco Beltrami, who did the score for Scream Two, he did the score for Scream One with way less of a budget. Uh, I think for Scream One, which is kind of why the Scream One score has some charm to it, yeah. because he had limited resources. He had a small orchestra and like some synths. And, you know, it had a cool vibe to it, which I think people still respond really well to. Very horror. Since this one had a way bigger budget, you know, he had more resources. And, you know, Danny Elfman, Hans Zimmer, and Enrico Morricone all have pieces of their own music in this score. And the score is more well-known for that than it is Marco Beltrami's work. The reason why I think Hans Zimmer's piece from the Broken Arrow film was used in this was because when they were doing test screenings of the movie Beltrami wasn't finished with his score yet so Mm -hmm. they did the thing that they probably shouldn't have done and they used 
Hans Zimmer's music as a temp track that they got way too attached to. Yeah. And, you know, he they just left it in there. It ended up staying in. And But that's the dangerous thing with temp tracks in anything, mm-hmm. is yeah. that you just get way too attached, and then you have to just end up paying for the thing. There's a great YouTube channel uh, called Every Frame of Painting, and he talks about the dangers of temp tracks, <laughs> like what it's done to the... Uh, <laughs> The Hollywood like um, scoring system, and they're just like, yeah, it's ruined everything because they go, this is what we want, and they can't like the producers of the film can't unhear it, you know. So if no, it's, you can't men in black it, yeah, yeah, you can't. This is, I think, some of my favorite movies are movies that were planned kind of meticulously from the start, and it's you know incorporating music and the writing and the direction. Everything is like very intentional. And this movie seems like it was crowdsourced from beginning to end where it's like, <laughs> like, what are we, we're really, we're, we're listening to parts of the Broken Arrow soundtrack whenever well, well, yeah, I mean, David you know, Arquette shows up. You know, they cut, they cut it to that. And then Beltrami, you know, he's like, well, what about if I make something and then you just recut the movie to my piece? And they're like, well, we're not going to do that. Which is kind of the same way it works in advertising. It's like you would want someone to cut to the thing that you're making and work on it together from the beginning, but it just never works that way. It's it's so much uh, you just more have to score to and, the cut. And it takes so much more time to do that. Yeah, you know. So I think it's just I think it, that's what it, the the true answer is that it just it's a cost effective thing. Just ah, eh, just do something like this, and then they figure it out. Right. And it takes yeah. it takes less time. And this is young time. Bill Trami. You know, he went on to do uh, scores for the faculty. Love it's it. an episode that we've done. He did uh, Dracula 2000, yeah, Hellboy, Hurt, it. Hurt Locker. Can I do them all? Ford V Ferrari. Loved it. Dads love it. So Across yeah, this yeah. nation. <laughs> Dad's favorite. Yeah, father's love. Yeah, father's love. <laughs> all right, Nikki, what do we have next on the soundtrack? Let's jump into track number seven, a band that we've heard before, I believe, in a previous episode. This is the John Spencer Blues Explosion with Right Place, Wrong Time. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, maybe this is no D'Angelo, but as far as covers go, this is an okay cover. Another cover? Dr. John song. I mean, I'm not, oh, yeah. I, I don't really like the Dr. John version that much. So maybe I'm, uh, I'm not that offended by somebody doing kind of a sludgy kind of. The Dr. John one blues. was recorded back in 73. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is a bad cover. Oh, okay. Um, I think. I would uh, ride on that boat with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'd steer that ship with you. Yeah, we we uh, heard the John Spencer Blues Explosion in uh, Baby Driver. That's right. Baby Driver. Yeah. Check out our Baby Driver episode. Yeah, it's a great episode. Prominently featured in Baby Driver. Prominently featured. A lot of explosions. <laughs> a lot of John Spencer. A lot of blues. Um, <laughs> and a lot of John Hamm. Yeah, a lot of John Hamm. Uh, this song was playing in the movie when Jerry O'Connell has been kidnapped by yeah. his fraternity brothers and they're hazing him and crucifying him. A yeah, little extreme <laughs> initiation. A little extreme. O'Connell! 
Jerry O'Connell in this film, uh, his character is not treated well. No. He no. is just a really friendly boyfriend. <laughs> uh, she seems to kind of hate him, Sydney. Yeah. She's he, like immediately distrusts him, which is kind of understandable, but he does nothing but like try to help her. He does everything right. Yeah. And he gets... <laughs> He gets essentially killed. crucified. He literally gets crucified. Wait, so his his outfit in this movie, Caleb texted <laughs> us a photo. So Jerry O'Connell wears these like khakis with like this belt and this like certain shirt. Mm-hmm. And Caleb sent us these back to back images, and one of them was uh, of of Chris Darden here. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that's what has elicited my my yeah. my like. Uh, my sympathy for this character. And then he reminds me of my good friend, Chris. Yeah. Just a well-meaning frat brother. <laughs> we all just got to What's wrong with this guy? He's not a murderer. <laughs> it's the same outfit. What are you going to crucify him and then <laughs> shoot him on the cross? <laughs> so he gets, pro- he gets executed mm-hmm. and Sydney, who, I mean, we're, we're to understand that they've been dating a while. It's not like something that happens at the beginning of the film. Yeah. They're, they're together. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she turns on him. She like immediately distrusts him. And then the killer kills him. And then, uh, like, ten minutes later in the film, she has completely forgotten about him. <laughs> yeah. N- not a word spoken about him again. She doesn't even seem that distraught. Yeah, yeah. At the end of it, she's like, well, at least nobody got hurt. It's like, what What about your best friend and your boyfriend? Boyfriend and, oh, God, so many people. <laughs> Pretty in much the everybody path. you know. Everybody you know is dead. Everybody you're close to. Her character dead. has been through a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. But in this film, she's like, hey, I feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, at least at least I've got the person that I um, uh, suspected of murdering my mom. He's still around. Lieb Schreiber, <laughs> his character is still, you know, I'm going to help that guy. Lori Metcalf is the villain and a murderer, mm-hmm. uh, but at least she has held on to the grief of her son dying. Yeah. Whereas Sydney doesn't care about anybody dying, even just a half hour earlier in the course of the film. Yeah. It's... I imagine, I mean, I don't know if this is a good time to talk about it, but... Um, good as time as ever. Explaining to the cops... Uh, what Nev, I mean, Nev Campbell has to have a discussion with the police at some point, um, but from the car crash on, <laughs> the events that take place in this movie are a series of backstab, like, uh, Mexican standoff murders that would fill like a, a tome size police report. It's like, okay, so I was in a car, which was commandeered by a man in a mask. Um, I had two secret agents. They were both, they both died. Um, and then the guy crashed, uh, a pipe went through the secret agent's face that was on the hood of the car. So he is now dead. My friend and I escaped. We thought he was incapacitated. And we went back. Then we went back. Oh, my friend Hallie, she was murdered. And then I ran into a theater in which uh, I found my boyfriend who was crucified. Um, oh, so you helped your boyfriend off the cut? No, no. No, he was still there. I, 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 I didn't help him because... I was suspicious hey, he might have... He might be the guy. Yeah, look at his face. Then the real murderer shows up. For a second there, I will admit... I did think he did convince me that my boyfriend was a partner in the murder. And then <laughs> like four more murders happen after that. I could keep going. Dude, I, I, I like read a, like a brief rundown of the leak script 
yeah. that they had to change everything because it leaked and it was like they didn't want uh, people to know. Yeah, who like, was the, who did they say originally in Scream 2 was going to be the killer? I'm curious. Originally it was Jerry O'Connell and, and Hallie. And Hallie, her Jean. friend. Her yeah. friend. But also Laurie Metcalf's character was in it and was supposed to be the mother of the killer. So maybe she was also the killer. But then apparently. Yeah, she's still seeking revenge of some kind. Yeah, I think that that character was always going to be that character. But mm-hmm. then at the same time. Uh, I think it in the original script, uh, Leif Schreiber as Cotton killed Courtney Cox's character. Gail Weathers. Yeah, so there there's murders there's murders happening by people that aren't the ghost face murderer. Yeah. It sounded like a real fucking mess. Because they had to keep rewriting stuff, I think, you know, Wes Craven having to make up stuff on the spot a lot of the time is why the movie is very disjointed at times. I mean I there's no way to predict <laughs> there's no way to predict who the murderer is i will say that like there's no foreshadowing like oh if i'd only recognize that clue it's just like i don't know anyone could have done it i think that the Lori metcalf stuff is smart in that they they give a character a reason to keep popping up yes without you really expecting them to be the murderer because she's a little bit of a comic relief mm-hmm. in that she's like this kind of annoying character yeah. And I think that that was smart and was always going to be part of the movie. Uh, Timothy Oliphant is like a guy who's just there for no reason videotaping and then just kind of disappears for the middle part of the film, uh, which seems like kind of lazy. Like we just show a guy and then you don't think about him for a while and then he's killing you. And his whole motive is like, <laughs> I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I'm a weirdo that's going to get like, away with it. Don't tell anybody. Told me to. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. When you're talking about like, this is before the internet really corrupted some brains. This is like the forefront of that. Tim of the Elephant uh, saying like, ah, I'm just, I'm going to get away with it because it's It's violence. an OJ thing, right? It's, He's like, yeah. I'm going to get Alan Dershowitz. I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to claim insanity that I was influenced by, uh, you know, the uh, movie stab or something. Movie stab. Yeah, just a, a film and a film and a film and a film and a film. <laughs> I really like, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I like the movie in the movie. The movie in the movie, I think, is smart and enjoyable. I don't think we needed the the play in the movie. Yeah, the Greek tragedy. <laughs> Which, by the way, that was where the Danny Elfman music was in the, the when they're doing like the weird chorus, the Greek chorus. Which is kind of a bummer it didn't make it onto the soundtrack. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> I couldn't tell nev campbell acting in the play i could not tell if she was she either played it perfectly or is sort of a bad actress you know what i mean because she's like kind of bad in it but i'm like oh that would like totally go in with like college theater like since doing or she was trying her best and it was actually bad actually bad. (laughs) should we hear some track number eight let's do it this is foo fighters with dear lover Did you find some happiness with me? Now I know the way true love should be. bit of a uh, slow jam from the Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, one of the more forgettable songs, I would say, unfortunately. This might be the most forgettable song <laughs> that I've ever heard. When we've talked about Foo Fighters on the podcast before, it was in the uh, Godzilla, the album mm-hmm. soundtrack. Oh, God, that was one of our first episodes. And they had uh, a song that they, I think, made for the movie and went to see the film while they were on tour in some city, and they sat through the whole movie, and their song was the last song in the credits and they were like ah like, what what happened <laughs> where is uh where in the film is this song this is uh jerry o'connell and uh, nev campbell sharing a bit of a sweet moment at oh. the at the frat party um and it kind of shows that he's like so i guess you're not rushing uh you know omega something something she's like no i don't think i will and it's like, uh, well, I know that I'll always care for you. And then he's, just, he's just being like a sweet guy. It's like, well, you know, I love you, babe. And she's like, I can only approximate human emotion. Like, what? Oh, all right. And then it's literally immediately interrupted by uh, Portia de Rossi and her friend coming Dude. in going like, they're like, somebody's been murdered. Something's going on at the uh, Omega something house. Oh, my God. We got it. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to talk about Portia de Rossi because Go in, ahead. in every 90s movie, there's like a shocking thing where you see these people with the like drawn on pencil thin eyebrows mm-hmm. and it's a little shot. You're like, oh, like 90s. What the fuck? Uh, but Portia de Rossi has like giant bushy eyebrows, like Eugene Levy eyebrows, yeah. Yeah, which were not the fashion in the 90s. No, it's very strange. Uh, I think it's a good look, and I think bigger yeah. eyebrows have come back. It's definitely come uh, back. It seems weird in this movie. Natural eyebrows. <laughs> uh, but if you look at... Cor- okay, I'll, uh, counterpoint. Okay, look okay. at Courtney Cox's eyebrows in this, yeah, yeah. and they look insane. They look very 90s They're insane. They're drawn with like a blue pencil. <laughs> like it looks really weird. A blue Sharpie. Like, She's got... They, they talk about how bad her hair is. It's like a... Uh, the Lost Highway, like Robert Blake. I ever- oh, no. <laughs> no. It's disturbing. But we got to do that soundtrack. Oh, yeah. That's a great soundtrack. <laughs> it was a uh, very surreal seeing Portia de Rossi and anything but um, Lindsay Bluth. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. just like, whoa, hey, what? what is she doing? And her character, like you assume she's going to play some sort of ditzy sorority girl, but like she's actually sort of well-rounded and like <laughs> nice. She's just a nice person. Like, it seems no, like. I, she's, I think she's kind of a, a mean girl, but I think that there were versions of the script where the sorority mean girls were supposed to be more villainous and yeah. it kind of got cut around. That makes sense because I don't understand why they're in this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like they kind of show up and you're like, are we supposed to like them? Yeah, what are you? Are and then you, they just are don't. Are you mean or you're not? Okay. You're, uh, yep. They're just a You really care character. about Nev Campbell and then now you don't and then now what? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Getting back to the uh, soundtrack, how do you guys feel about the Foo Fighters? The Foo Fighters, I mean, this is one of, I think the reason that I don't talk about the Foo Fighters much is that it's something that people talk about so much. The the crazy second act of Dave Grohl, which is something that, you know, hardly happens at all. Even like Phil Collins was like a more predictable arc of like a, a drummer turning into superstar. It's like to be the guy, kind of the third guy in Nirvana, this like huge, like groundbreaking act and then having that all go away. And then I remember when Foo Fighters first came along and it's like, if you listen to this song, this is not like a a great, this does not sound like a great band, but the Foo Fighters have turned into kind of a great band that it just keeps going and going. And it's a testament to, to Dave Grohl and the people that he surrounds himself with. Yeah, I've got nothing but good things to say about Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl. Um, 
I think you could really easily, he could have taken another path that was just like, I was in Nirvana. <laughs> like, but There's no, a famous <laughs> clip of him circulating online from back in the day where he's uh, recording, I think, like the first or second Foo Fighters album, and he's like wasted in the studio <laughs> screaming at the intern. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he yeah. could have taken that path of darkness, but instead he seems to be an all-around, like, nice guy as well like he seems to genuinely care about things and he is a positive influence in the world and i think he makes great music and i I absolutely adored him in middle school and high school and his sound city uh docuseries is really great Mm -hmm. and uh you know like the foo fighters obviously have made a ton of money and uh a few years ago he it was like the console that nirvana recorded never mind on was at uh, Sound City, and I think it was just sitting there. And he's like, "I, I want that console, and uh, I'm going to buy it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's done some great stuff, man. There was this one. There's a great clip of people fighting at his concert, and he's like, "Hey, hey, <laughs> you don't fight at my concerts. You understand? I don't care." We all love each other here, man. <laughs> like, like, all right. Like, he legitimately uh, seems like yeah. like a great person to be around, a great person to know, a great person to exist in the world. Mm-hmm. I wish him the best. And he's had uh, he's had the best. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, you know, <laughs> <we've> had, <laughs> a pretty good great. run. He's going somewhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's probably overachieved a little bit, but yeah. uh, but God bless him. Him and Mark McGrath. God bless him. Both. God bless him both. <laughs> Guys, it looks like we're coming up on a break. Hey! Our first break of 2021. Oh, nice. man. We do yeah. need a break. Uh, at the end of the episode, we're going to add a song to the track listing in the Spotify playlist. In honor of the Scream 2 soundtrack, we are going to add a song with one of our favorite screams. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And then I think we have a game after the break. I've got a game prepared for us, gentlemen. Oh. I know nothing about this game, but I'm excited. Stick with us. Welcome back to track listing with the Scream 2 soundtrack. But before we return, I do have a game prepared for us. Woo! 2021, whole new year. Same game, new year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've got an edition of Supergroup for us tonight. All, All right. right. For this game of Supergroup, this will be a series of four audio clues, and you're okay. going to tell me what connects all of them. Okay. 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 We don't have to find the next in the sequence. This is not next in the sequence. Okay. This will be uh, four audio clues and what is the connective tissue? All right. For the listeners, sometimes it has to do with the artist. Sometimes it has to do with the song title. Sometimes it has to do with something else thematic. All right. I'm excited. Guys ready? I love this game. Are we working together? Yes. All right. Good deal. All right. Here is round one. Clue number one. She ain't gonna have it. Don't matter how you feel. It only matters how you look. Go and fix your makeup, girl. It's just a breakup running. Hide your crazy and start acting like a lady. Cause I raise your better gotta keep it together even when you fall apart. But this ain't my mama's broken heart. This ain't your mama's broken heart. I do not know the artist. This seems like very contemporary country. It does. Um, that is correct. It sounds like Leanne Rhymes or something, or maybe some Dixie Chicks, but uh, uh, no, not enough harmony to be Dixie Chicks, but... Uh, I don't know. All right. Um, uh, it does sound like uh, that Beatles song, 
uh, come together. Got dun dun, give fingers, gun jump. <laughs> just, just <laughs> saying, putting it all out there. Put it in your wallet. Yeah. Skip on. Yeah. All right, Nikki. What is our second song? Here is clue number two. See, I have heard that song before. You were singing along to it. Yeah, I've heard that song, but I think that was a cover. I guess I've uh It's an Italo disco. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Touch Me, Touch Me, you got the look. I wanna feel your body. Touch me. Touch me. Got the look. Got the look. You guys know who that song is by? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Uh is it by I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get it. I don't think I, it's a cover. I I believe that that's the original song. But uh, let's hear the third in the sequence. Here is clue number three. It was all roses, tripping in diamonds, sipping on champagne. But she was all uptown, wearing that white gown, taking his last name. She could hear those church bells ringing, ringing, and up in the loft that whole choir singing. guys feel about modern country <laughs> seems unfair i seem like i I've, i have to assume this has to do with uh the artist because I, I don't i haven't been able to pull much of uh a sequence from the what i what i assume the songs to be That's titled. very very good caleb yeah uh that might be is that a taylor swift song no. you're in the right territory yeah. it's very warm okay. and is the touch me is that taylor dane it's not. <laughs> it's not Taylor Dane. No, you guys want to hear clue number four? That's here. Oh, I feel completely lost. I need a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> clue number four. I got no artists on any of these. I've heard that song too. And okay. that's that's very much like it's not good Charlotte, it's not Fallout Boy. Well Is it good Charlotte? It is good Charlotte. Okay. Um Oh, good Charlotte. Good Charlotte. All the all the others are female vocalists. I use it I don't know if this is the same group, but I did the uh Sex in the City. Um I don't think it is wait but if it was charlotte miranda it was uh yeah who was the country star that i used in the in the <laughs> uh, i mean well what are the other names of the sex in the city it was carrie underwood carrie, underwood? carrie underwood one of the uh, artists it might be okay 
Uh oh. Is it Sex in the City? Is that the connection? <laughs> that is. <laughs> Coming at the same category from another angle. Okay. All right. Uh, first, so we was... heard uh, Mama's Broken Heart by Miranda Lambert. Miranda Lambert. And uh, second, we heard Touch Me, I Want Your Body by Samantha Fox. Samantha Fox. That was it. That's where I've heard the song. Yeah. <laughs> How's y'all's memory? Not great. Not great. And then uh, third, we heard Church Bells by Carrie Underwood. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. last was Anthem by Good Charlotte. That is Sex okay. in the City. The main characters of Sex and the City. Excellent. They're going to reboot it, but without uh, without one of the girls. Oh, and it's going to be the holdout. A, um, the the uh, slutty one. Charlotte Cottrell. Yeah, Kim, Kim Cottrell. Cottrell. Kim Cottrell. That's going to be fine. <laughs> It'll all work out in 2021. She's working on her spoken word blues. Her <laughs> what? No, her celebrity her spoken blues. word poetry. Oh. So <laughs> You guys ready for round two? We're ready! Alright, this is clue one. It's like a... It's like a Pet Shop Boys, maybe? Early New Wave. I was getting more of a... Very warm. Oh, man. Who did... Who did... Uh, I'm playing it on... This is dead air! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can... Uh, uh, Ultravox. I was thinking maybe Ultravox. Okay. Is okay. Um, Let, let's hear clue two. Let's yeah. see if we can... This is clue number two. Give me no compasses, give me no signs Were there clues I didn't see? And isn't it just so pretty to think All along there was some invisible string Tying you to me think that is taylor swift why is that stuck in my head that's taylor swift right very well produced it's taylor swift okay um i I do not know the names of any of these songs uh swift could it could the other one be like fast something something quick uh let's hear clue three this is clue number three Into like a grungy bridge. Yeah. I love How you guys feeling about John Mayer? Three? John Mayer. What is the name of that song? Is it Invincible? Maybe something. I heard Invisible in um, the last song. Invisible Strings. Maybe is the name of that last Taylor Swift song. I'm not quite. Sure. 
Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Let's hear the. It's it's gonna be something that we did, not a lyric we heard, obviously. But you guys want to hear Clue Four? I guess, yeah. uh, man, I don't feel good. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. All right, let's cheer up with Clue Four. Maybe some steak with my beans and rice up. Place where my kids can play outside without living in fear. Fantastic Voyage. Fantastic Voyage. Which is a Earth Wind Fire song. Uh it's kind of again reminds me. I think I did a super group where it was a Fantastic Four. And it would have been uh if there was a Taylor Swift song called Invisible, that'd be like the Invisible Woman. It would be the thing, the thing, and uh, the the human uh, torch, human torch, the torch. So, uh, what is the name of the John Mayer song in Clue Three? (sighs) Paradise or something. I want to go to halls of the high school. school. I want to scream at the top of my lungs. Oh come on! There's no such thing as the real world. world. But a lie never turned to go. Come on. Oh, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's it's uh, No Such Thing. No Such Thing. Okay. It's called No Such Thing. It's Fantastic Voyage. That's the thing. No Such Thing. Oh, No Such Thing. Then Invisible by Taylor Swift. And then there's something having to do with the torch. That is correct. Okay, so is it the Fantastic Four? That is correct. The Fantastic Four. <laughs> right. Coming at it through from another angle. <laughs> Feeling deja vu. <laughs> deja vu is happening, man. <laughs> For clue one, we heard Soft Cell with Torch. Oh, oh Soft, soft Cell. cell. Yeah. I almost said Soft Cell, but dude, oh, I did not know that. Second was Taylor Swift with Invisible String. Okay. Great okay. song. And third was John Mayer with No Such Thing. And fourth was Coolio with Fantastic Voyage. That's the Fantastic Four. Bonus points if you can tell me the uh, real names of the Fantastic Four characters. Uh, that is Sue Storm, Reed Richards, uh, Ben Grimm, and then the Human Torches. Dr. Doom. Johnny Storm. That is correct. Oh, oh. nice. Nice. 50 cents to Caleb. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Good job, guys. One more round. Uh, Round number three. You ready for clue one? Let's do it. Clue number one. And we steal away every chance we could. Back room to the alley or the trusty wood. I used to she used me, but neither one cared. We were getting our share. Working on our nightmares. Trying to lose a It's a uh, night moves by King Harvest. <laughs> uh, isn't it Seeger? Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger. Seeger. I sometimes I get because there's like a Pete Seeger and a Bob Seeger. I think yeah. Bob Seeger recently passed away. Uh, that is a great, great song. Great song. night moves. Clue two. Clue two. You were so far away One more song about moving along the highway 
my girl Carol King. Uh, far, far away. away from Tapestry, one of the greatest albums ever. It's a far away night moves. Carol King, Bob Seger, Bob Seger. Silver Bullet. <laughs> okay. 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 Let's hear the third. Here's clue three. Scratch Fever by Ted Nugent, who has been uh, strangely quiet during all these Capitol riots. Yeah, what? <laughs> or, or maybe just no one has checked in on him. I assume he might have been there. Um, He's a madman. He, he loaned some furs out to some people, I think. Um, okay, so what so do we, we got? got? Night Moves, uh, Far Away, Cat Scratch Fever. Carol King. Carol King, Ted Nugent. Bob's here. Bob, Sega. Carol, Ted. Tom, Ted, Carol. Are these people from... I think it's going to be the first names of... Anyway, so let's listen to Clue 4. Yeah. Here's Clue 4. the ups and downs I'm in the middle without any plans I'm a boy and I'm a man I'm 18 and I don't know what I want It's uh, Alice Cooper. Yeah. 18. So we have. Was that on a soundtrack we've done before? Uh, we In the faculty, there was a cover. That's there right. Was a real gnarly <laughs> cover. That's right. <laughs> there, there's your memory. There yeah, it is. Yeah, it's come back. Okay, okay. So we got Alice. We got Bob. Bob, Alice, Ted, and Carol. Alice, and Carol, Bob, Ted. Are these the characters from How I Met Your Mother? They are not. Okay. Carol, Carol. But you guys have almost said it. You may have said it. <laughs> <laughs> Alice, Carol. Bob, Alice, Carol. Is this like, I feel like this is some sort of Brady Bunch update or uh, Alice. They're very warm. Alice in Wonderland, Carol. So first we heard Night Moves by Bob Seger. And then we heard So Far Away by Carol, Carol King. King. And then Cat Scratch Fever by Ted, Ted Nugent. And I'm 18 by Alice, Alice. Cooper. Uh-huh. What am I missing? <laughs> <laughs> you guys, yeah. Do you guys have any guesses? I, they've got to be the, the core characters to something that I'm just not putting together right now. Al- I mean, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, uh, Alice Carroll is... Bob, Alice, Ted. Ted. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. There's Ted. Yeah, you're right that Ted is in uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. This is the 1969 comedy Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Oh. I don't know what that is. Is that a movie? <laughs> yeah, it's a comedy. <laughs> Who's in that? Who's in that? Ted Dugan. <laughs> okay, okay. 
Yeah, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice is uh, from 1969. That's starring Natalie Wood, Robert Culp, Elliot Gould, and uh, Diane Cannon. Oh, nice. And with original score by Quincy Jones. Hey, Quincy. Oh, there you go. Quincy. Yeah. yeah, buddy. Late 60s comedy. Couples comedy. Ah, yeah. I feel like there was a remake or something, or like some movies have been made. That, mm. that is well, uh, Famous Fours. Yeah, yeah, famous Fours. Good. Wait, is that the last round? That is the last round. Hey, we made it. Hey. We limped our way through that one. <laughs> you guys want to jump back into the uh, Scream 2 soundtrack of all soundtracks? Oh, yeah, Let's do that, yeah. We're coming back in on track number nine. This is Tonic with Eyes of Sand. This song is okay. This is a band. College wallpaper. I may have seen Tonic Live. This was like definitely in the period where I was. I like that you're not sure. Well, there's like so. There's there's a group of bands. If you could only see, was there? uh, Yeah. If you could only see, it was like Eve Six. I definitely saw Eve Six live in like a small Portland club, and I like maybe saw Tonic. I maybe saw Third Eye Blind. It's hard to tell. Ah, uh, but it, this was... <laughs> Who knows? Who knows if I've seen him? <laughs> Lost a time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, the sound of this makes me nostalgic, but I don't I don't think this is a good song. Okay, do we remember uh, what other soundtrack we've done? Uh, with Tonic on with it? With Tonic on it? Uh, I think it was maybe American Pie. It was American Pie. That makes two band overlaps yeah. with oh. a Scream 2 American Pie soundtrack. Do you have a Tonic voicemail? Ready to go? I do. Tonic cameo. All right, listen up. (laughs) Hey, guys. Hey, Chris. It's me from Tonic. (laughs) I remember our guest, our friend and guest on that episode, Trent Rohner. I remember when we were talking about Tonic, and I was like, Tonic, and he was like, wait, this is a real band? This is a band that people know. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Tonic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm sure on that episode, I was like, I may or may not have seen Tonic live. Who can tell? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like I like hearing bands like this on these soundtracks only because it's a sound of music, this kind of generic late 90s kind of uh, alternative drone that I just don't hear anymore. And so even if I hear like a bad version of it, it kind of like cheers me up. It still fills you with that nostalgia. Yeah, sort yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. Back when I used to feel things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect uh, fourth song in a credit sequence. Song, <laughs> is this where it is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the fourth out of five songs in the credits, uh. Uh, which is impressive. Um, I think we got we to gotta get to the bottom of what movie has played the most songs during the credits. And this might be a contender. The, five, I, five is five high. an insane amount. Yeah, yeah. I've, like, I've let credits play before and uh it's it drove me crazy when i was watching this how many songs just kept coming up and i didn't feel like it was that long of a credit sequence either i I mean it was like eight minutes at the most but they packed in five songs into it pretty impressive (laughs) good job wes craven (laughs) he's the best (laughs) you guys want to jump into track 10 king of suspense yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
This is track number 10. This is Everclear with The Swing. Some more uh, 90s goodness. Yeah. I loved Everclear back in the day. I remember a friend of mine uh, burned an Everclear CD and brought it to me, uh, you know, in the middle of English class and was like, you got to listen to this when you get home. And I was not impressed. <laughs> and I don't know why I was. I think I was like busy with corn. So like this just seemed <laughs> like a little bit I tame. A lot of corn to get yeah. to. So. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, Everclear, father of mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a. Doing this so podcast, I, yeah. I like think about music in a way that I probably have not thought about music in the rest of my life, which is that I realize every time I listen to a song and don't like it, that I'm like, oh, there are so many people that really like this song. And it's like music is something that. I mean, there should be criticism of every art form, and uh, but like music is one of I feel like the most personal and kind of uh, it it is inherently abstract. It's like kind of hard to judge, and that it's like oh, I fucking hate Paramore or something. And it's like I know I know that there's gonna be people that I probably like. There's people that would might listen to this podcast and like the podcast, and then their favorite band comes up and it happens to be Paramore and we're all just like, boo! And, I'm like, and that kind of like breaks my heart and that it's like... Paramore I, is polarizing. It's, it's very polarizing. But like every band has its fans and, you know, even when we jokingly talk about some of like the, you know, supposedly worst bands. Well, except you know, for Hanson. They've lost all their fans <laughs> at this point. <laughs> there's, there's some atrocious bands. Uh, Everclear, but it's like, it, it's pulled into sharp focus for me when I hear a song like this because I can't help but love this for some reason. And I was, even when I was a kid, I was not a huge Everclear fan, but like there's something to my ear that even though I know this is a bad song, it like really pleases me. And this is like good, bad for me. Some nostalgia, you know? It's nostalgia, but it's also, it like hits all the, it like moves. This song has like, uh, like, like five different distinct parts, and it just like, yeah, it's just moving from part to part. It's just. I would uh, probably go back to 1997 now if I had the choice. <laughs> <laughs> it was the year that uh, George Clooney was given uh, the nipples on the bat suit. Nice, yeah. I mean, our economy was booming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. I will say, this is a dated sound, but it's not eye rolly. You know what I mean? I think. Everclear yeah. has stood the test of time and that like you're not like oh god I can't believe I listened to that like, like Third Eye Blind kind of has that same yeah. thing it's like I, yeah I put them in the same category it's not lost on me and they had their day in the sun and I think they're no longer you know they didn't continue but uh, <laughs> I still respect what they did and I liked I, I still like Everclear I don't know if I would like go to bat for them like as one of the greater bands no, of their no, generation I but, even you know, I remember yeah. In in the age of when Everclear was a big band, I think that they were not 
like super well respected especially they were uh, kind of famously for me at least a portland band mm-hmm. uh growing up outside of portland and there was a lot of area music that was much more highly respected i will say that yeah and i could see that uh yeah it's i just find it enjoyable maybe it has to do with i think they belong in a genre that had a lot worse and bigger bands uh follow up on them mm-hmm. uh your blink 182s and whatnot i think that there's kind of shittier similar music that got bigger the big uh, that big guitar sound of the 90s which uh, you just don't hear anymore so yeah. it was kind of like refreshing to hear that i think they were power trio as well right yeah i think there were three of them and they certainly made their their mark on some uh some soundtracks they're in the um uh, not another teen movie in the American Pie again, mm-hmm. uh, the Loser, sa- uh, Saving Silverman, Final Destination. I mean, you name it. They name in, name your band after hard grain alcohol yeah. and turn up those <laughs> guitar amps. It's a recipe for success. Uh, they were, I believe, it was Loser. They were there was like an actual concert that uh, Jason Biggs like attended <laughs> in that movie, <laughs> and then Everclear was on stage. It's great. You guys want to jump into track eleven? Let's uh, do it. Let's do it. Oh boy, we've got less than Jake with <laughs> I Think I Love You. This morning I woke up with this feeling I didn't know how to deal with And so I just decided to myself I'd hide it to myself And never talk about it It did not go and shine When you walked into the room I think I love you I think I love you So what am I so afraid of? Afraid that I'm not sure of A love there is no cure for Oh man! Oh I, lord! I was a uh, big fan of Less Than Jake. It was probably <laughs> mostly due to you know being a fan of Tony Hawk Pro Skater too, <laughs> yeah. which is where I first heard them, I believe. And uh, you know they still tour around. They still play shows. They play Brooklyn Bowl. You know, like every couple of years. I'm sure they have their fans. They have a devout following. Again, somehow, yeah. music is a music is a mysterious thing, and I'm sure there's some people that that have been so happy to hear this. But this is a Ska never dies. I will say. <laughs> yes, I don't know. <laughs> this is our, our first bad cover of 2021. This is true. This is true. Well, it's, depends on what you thought of a previous song. Dude, this is a bad cover. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I agree this one's unequivocal. bad. Unequivocal. Yeah. <laughs> I think this I is love like you. We, we all turn our three keys. This is a bad cover. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is like a song most famous from, uh, I guess, the Partridge family, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jerry O'Connell serenades... Uh, <laughs> Nev a sociopathic Campbell. Nev Campbell in the middle of a sub. I would say this is one of the strangest scenes. In the movie. <laughs> um, he gets up on the cafeteria lunch tables and starts serenading this, and no one asked for it. No one seems to care. Uh, or no, no, I'll take that back. No one asked for this, but the whole cafeteria is behind it. But Nev Campbell does not seem to care. I That's what's I, happening. I thought it was like a little bit charming. Uh, only that it's early enough to where I don't think anybody that uh, Nev Campbell knows has been murdered yet. Yeah. So it's not like so he's just trying to cheer her up. He's like doing something, and uh, it's really goofy. Uh, apparently, he auditioned with this scene, and yeah, yeah. anyone that was reading for that character had to audition with uh, like, okay, so now you're going up on the tables and you're you're confessing your love, and like, go ahead and do it. And so I. I imagine Jerry, I mean, Jerry O'Connell is a very charming young man. 
uh, in this movie. I assume he nailed the role. <laughs> but He was good. We haven't talked about Jerry O'Connell on the soundtrack since the Stand By Me episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a little kid. Yeah, he had a real glow up, as the kids say. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the chubby little kid that <laughs> can't catch a break and stand by me. And then That's he, right. You know, and then he's getting to date Nev Campbell. <laughs> Suck it! <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to hear track number twelve? Um, I, I got a, a little something to say. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think, <laughs> please, Chris. This was a this was an absolutely a thing in the nineties, in that a lot of um, emo and ska and like punky bands would like just speed up an old song. Um, I, I think Newfound Glory might have been one of the worst uh, people that did this to like somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> like just, they were like, hey, turns out we no can No one just, asked like, for this. <laughs> no one asked for this, but we can like add some horns to some terrible or like to some classic old song and make it worse. <laughs> but, I think definitely in like the, uh, the atrocious third wave of ska, it was like a lot of bands found big radio hits in like doing like kind of uh i'm not even going to say obscure covers but like uh incongruous covers like we're gonna take a a pop song that nobody thinks is cool and we're gonna make it really cool (laughs) (laughs) real big real big fish is definitely guilty of that yeah i I feel like ska bands are are, that's goldfinger mm-hmm 99 left balloons by goldfinger (laughs) oh man but anyway i just want to make that point (laughs) <laughs> stain on our national history <laughs> anyways nikki what do we got next track 12 this is eels with your lucky day in hell years go by still i don't know who shall inherit this earth I uh, I was a big Eels fan when I was young, and I remember Eels were good. I remember this soundtrack uh, mostly because of this song, and that I I think I knew somebody that owned the soundtrack, and I'd always like grab it so I could listen to this Eels song. I think this was uh, maybe a late single off of their first album, and I keep saying they, but Eels is essentially just a project of one guy. I think, which is uh, one of the reasons why it's been one of the more enduring 90s bands that he keeps putting out music with, uh, I think he surrounds himself with a different band, uh, album by album. I did read a uh, kind of funny Amazon review on the Scream 2 soundtrack today. This one user said that uh, this album was worth buying on CD because it's a soundtrack that has more than two good songs, unlike a lot of the soundtracks (laughs) that they own. Which, uh, you know, there's certain... You That's know. a very 90s experience of music. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly relate to that for, you know, I didn't buy a lot of soundtracks when I was in middle school, you know, in my CD heyday. But, you know, more often than not, you know, I would buy a CD... Oops, buy an for, album for, with one good song. For on one song. I would basically be paying twenty five ninety nine oh, for yeah. one song. God, it, which is why interns in studios used to drive Lamborghinis. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, kids in the next generation will have no concept of what that felt like. Yeah. <laughs> I would say. Even like, you know, paying 99 cents for a song on iTunes now feels like a ton of money. <laughs> oh, it's, it seems like robbery. I would never, I would never <laughs> pay for it sounds music. terrible coming from me, but, you know. I will never pay for music for the rest of my life. <laughs> If it's not on Spotify, it, it does yeah, not exist. Kind of, uh, I can watch it on YouTube. Maybe. We're like deep enough into the pandemic right now where the idea of like paying for a mixed drink seems like really divorced from reality. Yeah. Where I yeah. feel like the first time, even when this is finally all over and we're all really excited to go outdoors and like be amongst people, uh, the first time somebody's like, oh, it's uh <laughs> you. Oh, yeah. You wanted a Makers on the Rocks. That's uh, $22. You're going to be like. Yeah. <laughs> what what world are you oh, in it's man? gonna be a harsh reality <laughs> yeah come uh, post vaccine oh, God. uh this song is playing during the actual uh op- or like there's the opening sequence i think this is when yeah fake Nev out. camp you see nev campbell for the first time and then there's the scream too and then uh yeah it kind of this is a slow pan into college. Nev campbell's college sorority yes. house whatever but yeah it seems like she's living in the sorority house but she's not actually rushing it's like so a it, really cool dorm then maybe you know? it's a dorm yeah. but then her roommate seems to be rushing so maybe uh, it's very unclear there's a lot of convoluted uh rushing i don't know if it's fall rush maybe it's deferred <laughs> rush i don't know uh there's a lot of greek aspects to this you know we've got the Greek uh, chorus. The Greek chorus. Jerry got, O'Connell gives her the letters, which yeah. you do not do. You got Portia de Rossi's Greek Greek eye flashes. Um, my, my, the, the college <laughs> I went to had no Greek life at all. It was just not a world I was exposed to. Well, I'm the only fraternity man at the table, I think. And uh, um, I, Caleb. Uh, oh no, no! At my school, did you rushed it. There was a rush, but they like I think you, uh, as you were saying, they they made you wait for uh, after your first semester or something mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. everybody lived in the dorms for their first semester freshman mm-hmm. year and then if you just you really needed to get out of the dorms and you would uh you would rush yourself in an even worse situation <laughs> yeah that's about right i uh <laughs> how much does it cost to join a, a fraternity or sorority um i i want to say it was like thousands of dollars really in, in the thousands i think like a thousand bucks is uh a semester or something like that like 800 bucks does that include rent or that's just for the jewelry i i don't i lived in the frat house uh for a year Uh i don't think that included rent do they change the handshake year to year no it's still the same one you think it's still the same one i could i'll throw somebody the uh the grip uh the the cap alpha grip I shouldn't even mention the name of my fraternity because I think it's like <laughs> it's our behind the paywall content. <laughs> I mean, it, it it could. I think yeah, it's, bleep it out. You bleep it out when he says it. I think it's gonna get me into trouble down the line because like it was such a southern fraternity that it's like, yeah. like they just, they just be some loved, sort of weird history to it. They just loved the South. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Yeah, bleep this part. Um, <laughs> We can do track 13. Yeah, let's do it. Let's just, you know, make me more comfortable. Eels, great. I was a big Eels fan uh, a little bit later than this, but uh, Nova Kane for the Soul, I think, was the big hit off of their first album. Yeah. More yeah. than two good songs on more a soundtrack. More than two good songs. Have they appeared on a previous soundtrack? Were they on the Gross Point Blank? Are they on... No, no I don't believe We may so. have talked about okay. them before. I think we talked about them once before, but... I feel like they were in a movie we watched, but they did not appear on the soundtrack. Uh, okay. Possibly. This is our first formal eel. Eels. <laughs> 
All right, let's uh, jump into track 13. This is Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds with DJ Spooky with Red Right Hand. He'll reach deep into the hole, heal your shrinking soul, but there won't be a single thing that you can do. He's a god, he's a man, he's a ghost, he's a good They're whispering his name through this disappearing land, but hidden in his coat is a red right hand. Well, that was not a version of Red Right Hand I was expecting to hear. Well, we didn't see it in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> What's well, it you, doing here? Well, uh, It sounds like it should have been in the movie. Well, it's in the movie. The original song is in the movie twice. Yes. Uh, once in like a really funny way. Uh, but uh, if you don't remember, this was in the uh, first film and on the first soundtrack. Yeah, this was on the Scream 1 soundtrack. And, so, uh, and also the uh, Dumb and Dumber yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, I was going to say the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. That, that we've done. It's <laughs> a very popular soundtrack. So I love this song. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't hate this remix. Uh, Spooky and slow. One of my favorite things about the use of this song in the movie is that the first time you hear it is inside the movie in the movie. Yes. Which so is... It's referring to itself. Yeah, it's referring yeah. to itself when they're... I think it plays at the beginning, right? When they're watching Stab uh, in the precursor, whether <laughs> it's it's like great to... You're like, oh, it's an iconic song from the movie. It's going to be in the, the fake movie in the movie. Yeah, it's a weird... It, yeah, it's, it's getting one level too deep, I think. <laughs> I don't know if they needed to use it a second time. I can't remember when the second... Uh, use of it was but I think I remember hearing it again like in the regular movie yeah. Nick Cave is just inceptioning himself <laughs> yeah, but, uh, well, he yeah we that. heard the original in Scream 1 this yeah. is the DJ Spooky version in Scream 2 there is another red right hand that ends up in Scream 3 yeah he did a little bit of a special version and for some reason Scream 4 doesn't get a red right hand <laughs> well I think Scream 4 was like 10 years later or something yeah. so yeah. Uh, Nick Cave maybe yeah, left behind lost his uh his zest for soundtracking yeah. but um i think also so this is most famously now i think used as the theme song for the piggy blinders oh yeah that's uh, right. tv show which i kind of uh lost track of after a couple seasons but i think even in that it, they started maybe started doing the thing where there's a lot of covers of uh this song in that show and they just keep having like random people covering it and it's pretty bizarre but and then Dumb and Dumber, uh, as we've mentioned before, it's uh, the scene where, you know, Jim Carrey gets robbed. <laughs> He's like, I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> little old lady. Little old lady steals everything from him. <laughs> so, yeah, this song has been a goldmine for Nick Cave mm-hmm. over the years. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I thought it was pretty funny. They had, it's called Stabovision. Is what the, they were watching on the theater. <laughs> like, that blank O vision was a <laughs> man that had a good fifty year run. Heavily ended in the uh, new millennia. I think. <laughs> I think yeah, we like hit like a certain peak when they started to really lean hard on three D movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, about I want to say maybe seven years ago, eight years ago. And they were like, we're going to do 3D movies. People are going to pay extra, twice as much. What happened to those 3D TVs? <laughs> well, that was another thing. They just I, don't make them anymore because they hurt people's eyes and everybody hated it. <laughs> it apparently, there's something about like human beings aren't supposed to um, experience vision like that. So it's inherently 
uncomfortable <laughs> but it was also it alienates you from the people around you because yes. you have to put on the sunglasses and if you turn to somebody then it ruins everything mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so it's like i mean i think we're you know you can have an oculus thing where everything's very very 3d yeah yeah just go yeah just go into the virtual reality world <laughs> you may remember uh, that nintendo product i think it was called virtual boy oh yeah it's like the red eyepiece that was just burning a hole into people's retinas <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> like gave you permanent eye damage. Yeah. It got discontinued very quickly. And if you like used it properly, it left like a like a scab on your forehead. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It's a very Tim and Eric Cinco product. Yeah. Uh, and it overheated, but you had to apply a cooling gel. Yeah, it came with a gel <laughs> yeah. to apply directly to your eyes. Yeah, uh, it was great, dude. But I, I would. I'll say right now, if uh, you guys have a Virtual Boy, please let me know. I'll buy it from you. <laughs> I'll play it every day. There's a, a great video game store over uh, on the Bowery. It's called Video Games New York. Yeah, and they they still got the uh, stored display for the Virtual Boy. Hell yeah, in there, and like no one's allowed to step into it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a total hazard. <laughs> it's like, it will burn your retinas <laughs> off. You are not allowed to use it. Uh, you guys want to hear some of track number fourteen? Let's hear it. This is Kelly with one more chance. I apologize So the, you know, the movie is kind of a hodgepodge because of the, you know, the difficulties they had with their production. And this soundtrack is starting to feel like a bit of a hodgepodge, too. Uh, it's, you know, I think that's a okay R&B song, but hearing it, you know, right next to a DJ spooky Nick Cave and kind of like next to a Less Than Jake is just kind of uh, a little bit of a weird mix bag. Not only is it an okay... With Dave Matthews, too. Like, mediocre uh, R&B song, but uh, it does not appear in the movie. Yeah. Oh. And so it was thrown onto this album, and it, I am perplexed. Inexplicable. Uh, we know nothing about Kelly. Cannot find anything about Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, scrubbed. The search engine marketing on the, the term Kelly is pretty tough to find. <laughs> it crashes your web browser. <laughs> you cannot find this song. It sounds very similar to, I could say, like an Usher uh, kind of Aaliyah um ashante mm-hmm. yeah uh drew hill something <laughs> just uh, spitting yeah. names <laughs> <You're> uh, spiraling <laughs> t smooth is also on this yeah, he's <laughs> credited as a writer yep. yeah i mean okay. I, I, I respect this um the soundtrack kind of reflects a bizarro world of like oh you remember the 90s do you remember dave matthews and everclear maybe you've heard some of these songs you're like Wait, what? It's like it would be like if there was a '90s bot music algorithm that would just like create like fake songs by all your favorite '90s artists that you'd never heard. Like, oh, I guess this is a '90s like, person. Yeah, this is a. It's an Everclear song. I don't remember it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, um, like Cottonmouth Kings had not come out with an album before they appeared on this. Master P was like really new on the scene had his big hit make him say uh had not appeared yet so maybe they were trying to predict like another hit there 
Maybe with Kelly, they were like, oh, Kelly's going to blow <laughs> up. Trust us. Wait <laughs> until Wikipedia hears about this guy. Wait, what? <laughs> They're not? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you know. You know, the Scream Hope one. for the best. <laughs> <laughs> and the Scream 1 soundtrack was such a hit. I think, like, yeah. maybe. I, don't think was, I think this was a much bigger hit than this. It, the Scream 2 soundtrack? The Scream, one, the Scream 1 soundtrack, uh, I don't think ever charted. This got to, 50? I think, number 50. I think 50. I think, uh, for some reason. I think that was part of the, it was the 90s and people were like, soundtracks, big business. And people were like, everybody loves a Scream movie. People love the soundtrack. And people were like, <laughs> and it's like, well, we're going to try a little bit harder on the next one. And people are going to love this one? We're like, no! Like, oh, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if we've discovered anything on this uh, podcast, it's uh, 1997, 98, and 99 are the golden age of just making a shit ton of money <laughs> on a soundtrack. Yeah. A lot of big swings. Yeah. And this is like a uh, medium swing. Yeah. So, so we're just pulling into the uh, last track on the soundtrack here, which I'm curious about. So the, uh, the last track, you know, they say a last track on a soundtrack and make or break. It's well, got to be something good. The Amazon user that uh, had that comment about, you know, more than two uh, good songs said that they bought the soundtrack for this song, for this last song, which for, I'm not for, familiar for with. For track 15. For track 15. So. Oh. Let's see if it's any good. Well, I mean, it means it's got to be great, right? Oh, boy. If the name is any indication, <laughs> this is Ear 2000 with The Race. Why would you do this to me? My black eyes just began to see the world. My future has just ended today. Once again, I search about the crowd. I search about the love aloud. Then quickly snatch away. I want another friend. I can't talk to you anymore. We can't sleep together anymore. I couldn't want anything more than I want your love. Wait, bought the soundtrack for this song. I think it had some interference in my headphones. There there was were, some... I think I heard a vocoder. Yeah, this, was someone trying to call the studio or something? Mark McGrath is calling you back, Chris. Oh, oh, oh that's right. That's what it is. Yo, what is up, Chris? It is Mark McGrath from the band Sugar Ray. Yes, I know. Mark, Mark. Mark. Oh, Not now. What did I say, Mark? He so, keeps calling. So, sorry, listeners. Uh, Long voicemails. Little background on this track. <laughs> Dave Arquette. Yeah. Uh, I guess lead singer? Uh, you're looking at me like I know the answer? David Arquette is a person who is fronting this band, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with it being on the soundtrack. I, I, he he must have like I think he sort of browbeat Wes Craven into throwing. Uh, what? I don't think even Wes Craven had to know that this was happening at all because it's not in the movie. It's not in the five credits songs. Yeah. It does not appear in the movie. I've never heard of David Arquette's music career outside of this one song. <laughs> We've got to get Ed Gerard, the music supervisor, on the horn about this. I, I, it's had to have been some sort of like weird contract writer where it's like, uh, who okayed this? We're making a movie. We want you in the movie. And uh, <laughs> we need to know in the next seven days. And he's like, well, you know, pretty busy with my music career right now. <laughs> Focus on that if you know what I'm saying. Like music career. Dude, I, okay. David Arquette. Ear, well, 
I don't know. David Arquette must be the most charming person. I think like 95 to 98, David Arquette must have been the most charming human being on the planet because he married Courtney Cox. Yeah, he's famous for punching above his weight for about they, eight years, and then which they yeah. court they met on the set of Scream One. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they got they didn't get married until um, like ninety eight or ninety nine, but then they stayed married till twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, she is infinitely wealthy from Friends. Uh, by all accounts, David Arquette is not. Uh, he got into wrestling. He That's a thing. Yeah. Um, hobbies. Hobbies. So I think he just tried to see what stuck. I think he was like, maybe I'll try this band thing for a bit. He's a hobby man. He's from a famous acting family. His yeah, father plays the sheriff I, it in must, this one. I think right. his father and he himself approached the music supervisor and like, just just play it man just put it on the soundtrack patricia arquette got on the phone it's just like hey <laughs> it would mean a lot to the family if yeah. you could just <laughs> just just help us out i mean just, maybe if there's a spot in the credits five songs already in the credits well well if maybe if you could just put it in the you know the way cds work right now <laughs> holy boy wow yeah. guys that is the scream 2 soundtrack scream 2 Before we get to recommendations, we do have to review the soundtrack, as is our, uh, even, it's a new year, but we still have to lead off with Chris. <sighs> Give us your uh, favorite and least favorite track. Yeah, we're Out be- of uh, 15 hunting knives, 15, 15, 15 uh, fraternities. Oh, 15, uh, what, what is the... We have to decide this beforehand. <laughs> we, one we got time. good at it, and then we completely forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to our resolution? Uh, I like, 50, I don't know, 15 Lori Metcalfs. <laughs> Metcalfs. 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 How many Metcalfs, How many Metcalfs can you give the screen? Also, I'm going to ask you for your most favorite, least favorite songs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm going to give a shout out to uh, my homeboy, Mark McGrath, and uh, give Rivers. Yo, what's uh, up, Chris? It is Mark McGrath from the band Sugar Ray. Yes, I know. Mark. Oh, Mark. That's got to be up there. Um, I also would say I like The Swing by Everclear. I dug that song quite a bit. D'Angelo, probably. Uh, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good song. Not my favorite, but I'd say, yeah, Rivers um, and The Swing, probably my two favorites on there. Uh, my bottoms are... Um, <laughs> oh. oh, Chris. <laughs> my least favorite song oh, okay, okay. are, uh, are going to be Scream by Master P. That's just a cacophony of, uh, of crap. Uh, I, and I like Master P. I love make him say um, uh, but this seems to be like oh, just like it's like a real nice sandwich here. It's a uh, Master P on the front. What do we got on the back? <laughs> the race. <laughs> the what? Wait, what? Uh, the David Arquette song that's not on your bottom. Couple? Oh, oh, oh. um, not as it's not really, as, dude. <laughs> it's not as bad as the less than Jake. Um, I think oh. I love you. So uh, I have to. I have to shame less than Jake, I think. Oh, okay. anti-ska. Interesting. <laughs> but overall... Um, Horns are going to make a comeback. <laughs> anti-ska. <laughs> anti-ska. You're an anti-ska-mite. Ska-ist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I yeah, I didn't really enjoy this as much as I wanted to. It's great <laughs> to be back in the studio, you guys. Um, it's good I'm to see g- you. I'm gonna give it a uh, a six point one. Oh, okay. Six point one Metcalfs. All right, Nikki. <laughs> uh, most favorite, least favorite. How many Metcalfs? Uh, most favorite, least favorite. I'm gonna say least favorite. Uh, which I guess is the reason that someone bought the soundtrack is going to be Ear 2000 with uh, The Race. It's just undeniable for me that that song, uh, it's just, how did it get made? Another <laughs> but, podcast. Yeah, yeah, another but, podcast. Another time. Uh, favorite song on the soundtrack? Uh, kind of a toss-up between Eels, uh, Your Lucky Day in Hell, oh, and cool. uh, I'm going to say D'Angelo. She's always in my hair, the uh, Prince cover mm-hmm. from uh, 1984. Uh, I'm going to say D'Angelo, favorite track. Okay. And 0 to 15 Metcalfs, uh, stinky soundtrack. (laughs) I was kind of hoping for better. Uh, Less than Jake, you know, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered uh, some people. (laughs) And um, yeah, Dave Matthews Band, it's kind of a random collection of songs, honestly, real hodgepodge, but uh, yeah, 90s college, Dave Matthews. I'm going to have to give this a, a 3.5 Metcalfs. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's a tough rating. Harsh, harsh. All right. This Group is a, uh, yeah, this is, this soundtrack, it's, it's funny in that it is kind of a, uh, a greatest hits of also ran like tracks you've never heard of. I feel like least favorite is super easy for me. The race by year 2000 is so bad. Oh man. Brutal. It doesn't and even I, sound like a song. It's just noise. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree with Nikki completely that uh, my favorite is in between uh, D'Angelo's cover of She's Always in My Hair and Eels with Lucky Day in Hell. But I, I got to give, just uh, by the fact that when I was a kid and this came out, I was really into Your Lucky Day in Hell. I think my favorite track is the Eels. Yeah, out of 15, I will give this a 6.5 Metcalfs. Right. I don't hate it. It's like... A, it moves and is interesting enough where I never got bored of its mediocrity, if that makes sense. It does make sense. I would say it works well with the film, but all of the music is in basically two <laughs> scenes. It's either during the party or in the end credits. It's true, it's true. Which is like, that's not a good use of a soundtrack. Sorry, Wes. <laughs> Figure out how to make movies, Craven. Um I need to rewatch uh, Wishmaster. Yeah, yeah, baby. So Wish, good, Wishmaster reunion. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of references to um, uh, a lot of other um, Wes Craven movies in this. You see the Freddy Krueger sweatshirt in the dorm at one point. Oh, yeah. Um, and, of course, just like uh, they even talk about Nightmare on Elm Street and the sequels that are ruining horror and ruining movies in general. So, All right, That's going to take us right into recommended track recommendations our favorite uh scream song who wants to lead off i can lead off if you guys don't mind uh so my track it's a it's kind of it's from a soul artist who had kind of languished in obscurity for decades and decades and i think he kind of in the same vein of like uh sharon jones i think had a revival uh when people started to get um re-interested in some of these like classic soul artists and uh, somebody found him when he was actually, I think he was working as a James Brown impersonator and, um, and somebody just rediscovered him. And so this is off of his debut album. I think, 
I don't know how many singles he recorded, but I guess apparently his first like uh, LP was recorded in 2011. Uh, Charles Bradley, and the song is No Time for Dreaming. Definitely in the vein of James Brown, but just kind of, uh, there's not many genres of music where people can scream on key and have it like seamlessly work into a vocal. Yeah, he's great. It's, uh, yeah, passed away uh, a couple of years ago. Really cool guy. And this, I think he's maybe a little bit now most known for a cover of a Black Sabbath song uh, that I think is the theme song to. That Nick Kroll animated uh, Big Mouth. Big, Big Mouth. Mouth. Yeah, okay. I think changes. I think is. Uh, I'm going through changes. I think that's the uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Charles that's Bradley a, cover. A great song, by the way. All right, good pick. A, good yeah, pick. Good, yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, hey, who wants to go next? I've got a song queued up for us. This is from Dark Side of the Moon. This is from 1974. This is the Great Gig in the Sky. Could not choose this song for uh, <laughs> that's a great scream. Best, best scream song. Um, it's a good scream. You know, this was a <laughs> instrumental track that started out as piano uh, by the uh, keyboardist uh, Richard Wright and uh, Alan Parsons, who was producing uh, Dark Side of the Moon. I think it was his idea originally to uh, include some NASA field recordings over the middle of the song. I think it was Roger Waters that stepped in and was like, "No, we're not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> we should um, we should bring in a female vocalist." And I think they knew this singer Claire Tory uh, from a cover song that she had recorded. So she didn't have that much of a career, but they thought she would be good at coming in and just doing this uh, crazy improv whale experiment. And she came in and gave this historical. <laughs> You know, amazing, you know, first take. And, uh, yeah, great scream track. 1974, Pink Floyd. Nice. Going places. Yeah, I've heard of those guys. (laughs) What have you got for us, Chris? Uh, Keeping in line with the horror genre, uh, I've got a scream and a song that uh, has a bit of an urban legend behind it. Mm. Uh, Let's go ahead and play the scream first. Uh, This is a song from the Ohio Players called... Love Roller Coaster from 1975 off of their album Honey. See if you can hear what I'm talking about. Yeah. Love and you. Yeah. 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 
So did y'all hear that at the beginning, or should we play it again? Just a little <laughs> quick. Just listen, listen closely. Listen okay, closely. Listen closely. I didn't hear anything. I know this song pretty well. <laughs> oh, in did the background there. Did you hear? It? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I heard a faint, yeah, a faint distant scream. <laughs> I was expecting to be one. Wow, wow, say what? I remember that song from the Beavers and Butthead Do America. Yeah, that was yeah. the Red Hot Chili really? Peppers. Oh yeah, uh, they have Chili a, Peppers. They have a great cover of it. Um, I, I think the original song is a jam. I think the mm-hmm. Ohio players are awesome. I am a big Ohio players fan. Yeah, uh, the, uh, <laughs> I listen to a lot of their records. And Cameo has totally ripped them off with a uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> But um, as urban legend would have it, that scream and uh, another scream in the song, there's like another part where I think it's a guitar sound effect, actually. It's like, Uh, but I think some disc jockey said, uh, oh, yeah, would you murder somebody and keep the take? And then that sort of gained steam. And they were like, wait, did you murder somebody? (laughs) And the... uh, the Uh-oh. urban legend I heard. So on the cover uh, of Honey, it's a it's a model who's like semi nude and she's like pouring honey onto herself. And uh-huh. the, the urban legend is that uh, that like <laughs> had like a reaction with the uh, the like, acrylic mount she was on, and it like ripped up her skin and she had like some crazy scarring. <laughs> and, and then she came in the studio when they were recording to sue them. And they murdered her. But then they and kept she, playing. Uh, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And when uh, they did, you know what she sounded like? Yeah. Wow. But, you know, it's... What a legend. Well, it, it was a... That's one of the shittiest urban legends I've ever heard. But it does, it does sound like a kind of a creepy scream. And the, the more you listen to it, it does sound creepy. But it makes no sense that they're like, look... It's it's a tragedy that she was murdered during it. But like, uh, God, that take was good. Obviously, it, it implicates us, but uh, the song needs it. It's the sound that someone makes if they uh, drink uh, Pop Rocks and Coke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but apparently, uh, the Ohio players knew about the urban legend, but uh, kind of kept their mouth shut because of uh, ticket sales. And apparently it sold a bunch of records Mm -hmm. just by them being like, I don't know, maybe somebody did die. Listen for yourself. (laughs) Mysterious. murdered many a musician. They're like, many? It's like, no. No. Wait, what? Uh, Just buy the album. Just for yourself. Just for yourself. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right, guys, that is the uh, Scream 2 soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. New year. Let us know how you feel about the new music. Yeah. Come in and always, uh, we're open to recommendations. We're open to suggestions. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you guys. We're very suggestible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nikki, the new music is great. Done by Nikki. Mm -hmm. Nikki's music. You guys got any uh, picks for the next episode? Any ideas? I think it's your pick next. It might be. Yeah, I guess this was a, a group pick. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to our first episode for 2021. Stay safe and we'll see you next week. 